how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. This episode is brought to you by Author Builder. Whether you are an experienced author with an established base of fans or a new author looking to cultivate a following, Author Builder provides you an easy way to build a website, showcase and sell your book, and engage with your community. This all-in-one approach saves authors a ton of time and money because you don't have to worry about purchasing a separate monthly plans for website hosts, a storefront, an email list, and everything in between. Author Builder does all that for you. Plus, you can get multiple layout and theme options specifically designed with authors in mind. As you've likely heard me mention in the past few episodes, I've recently published my first book, and there's nothing more overwhelming than trying to coordinate all of these complex systems. Luckily, the team at Author Builder has solved this problem for you. If you act now, you can actually save 25% on an annual purchase, or you can sign up for the free plan, which won't cost you a dime. From free to basic to pro to premium, each plan gives you a subdomain, at least a thousand emails per month, at least one blog post per month, SEO capabilities, automatic updates, an about me page, image hosting, the ability to send newsletters, and even analytics and tracking. Simply click the plans tab on the site and you can choose the plan that works best for you and your book. Whether you write fiction or nonfiction, writing a book is hard enough. Don't get stuck doing all the complex administrative work of managing multiple programs when this all-in-one approach puts every tool at your fingertips in a single, easy-to-use location. You can find the link in the bio, and that's authorbuilder.com to sign up today. In episode 257, I sit down with author Taylor Cluster. We jumped into this life by watching other people on YouTube who were doing it. Taylor Custer told me after her boyfriend Scott proposed they sell everything and move into a van to travel full time. While on the road, Scott also encouraged Taylor to pursue her first love, writing. The former teacher decided to give writing another shot and actually created her first novel, the hashtag Van Life Murders. In the novel, Haley Andrews loses her job and decides to make a change in her life. She sells everything and heads out for life on the road. But when Haley realizes there are young van life women disappearing along her route, she decides to investigate and discovers clues of a serial killer. In this interview, Taylor talks about her decision to go full-time in van life, what it's like to publish through Amazon's dropshipping program, how would-be writers can face their fears of publishing, and also what it's like to write while living in an RV during quarantine. Before we jumped into this life, I was actually working as a preschool teacher and Scott was working in real estate and he is still currently doing real estate, also an entrepreneur. So he was able to pull those along with him when we joined this life. 
I stopped teaching. So I did not take that with me once we hit the road. And we jumped into this life actually just by starting watching videos on YouTube of other people doing it and started listening to other stories and reading blogs. And one day Scott, and I think he was kind of putting feelers out there. And he said, you know, I think that we should do the RV life and the van life and sell all our things and buy an RV and hit the road. And then he just kind of waited and looked at me to see what my reaction was. And I was like, yeah, you know, I think that sounds like a great idea. So it was kind of planned, kind of not. It was just something we both decided we love to travel and now is a great time to do it. We're young, we don't have kids, so it would be a lot easier for us at this time. And before you knew it, we were buying an RV and renovating it and hitting the road. And where did you, I think I read that you were originally interested in writing before, maybe in college. How did you kind of pick that back up and what was the inspiration to get started again? Yes, I have actually loved writing my whole life. It was something even all the way back in grade school I really enjoyed. I used to just write stories and, you know, like a little journal I would have at home. And it, it was just really fun to me. And I think it was a way when I was younger, just, you know, as a child to write out your emotions or when you're feeling and you just start writing. And then I realized it was something I enjoyed to do even on a fictional, fictional standpoint as well and start writing up um, my own stories that I was just making up. So then I sort of carried that with me growing up didn't really do it a whole lot outside of just journaling. Um, high school, I did take a creative writing class, which was my favorite class still to this day. So I think that's really when I broke into looking into it more. Um, and I toyed with the idea of going to college for journalism or writing. Uh, but I don't know, at that time, it was something where I think when I was expressing this as something I wanted to do, that's a hard field to sort of break into. And I also had a really strong passion for working with kids. So at the time, I chose the route of working with kids. And that's how I ended up becoming a teacher. But I always had that itch in the back of me that still really wanted to write a book and get back into writing. But it was really hard to do when I had a full-time job that I was going to every day. And I didn't have time to just sit down and start writing a book. But once we hit the open road, Scott brought it up and said, you know, you like writing you're not working your full-time job anymore. Why don't you write a book? And I said, that's a great idea. I should. Now I have the time to sit down and actually do it. And so I did. I sat down, started writing, and I loved it. And initially when I was writing this book, it was kind of nerve-wracking to know that it was going to be sent out for anybody in the public to read. But now it feels like such a huge accomplishment. And I'm, I'm so proud of myself being able to actually sit down and write a book and actually get my passion out there. Well, definitely, definitely the publishing is, is the thing that really makes you, you know, you're fully committed. You're doing the, you know, the best of your ability. Tell me a little bit about the story. I, from my understanding, you've kind of pulled some real aspects into it, but you also have like a fascination with crime and murder mysteries. Yes. Yes. So I definitely pulled a lot of things from our travels on the road. So there is some parts of the book that actually happened to us on the road, which a lot of people may not know who are reading it that don't know us. But for us, it's fun to go back and be like, oh, my gosh, that actually happened to us and able to see it actually in writing. Um, and then a lot of the mystery part of it, too, and the suspense is because I just love reading suspense novels. 
So we did not luckily witness any murders on the road, but I like to read murder mysteries. So that's why I kind of put those two things together and combine them into this um, story about serial killers and traveling on the road. Well, tell me a little about um, Haley Andrews, your main character. Is this a manifestation of yourself? Are there some differences there? Yes. So, and I think I, from what I've watched other authors being interviewed, I think a lot of times the main character does get built out of the author themselves. Um, There are some differences, but it certainly is something that, you know, she lost a job and she faced heartbreak and she felt like her world was like kind of coming to an end and everything was going wrong. And I've hit a point like that in my life before too, but it's something where it's like, all right, things are not going well. What am I going to do to fix this? Like I need a big change and I'm going to dive into it. And that's basically what Haley does after losing her job, losing her boyfriend. And, you know, she's like, what am I going to do now? I'm lost. So she decides to sell everything and buy a van and renovate it and hit the open road and travel. And um, right before I hit the road, I'm not saying that, you know, obviously Scott and I were doing just fine, but it was a point where we were both sort of like, you know, we really want to travel. We're not super excited with where things are at right now. I was, I loved teaching, but I didn't like the organization I worked for. So it was like, okay, I need to make a change. What can we do? Let's travel and hit the road. And, you know, it's, experience all these new experiences. So I think Haley and I both jumped into this life because we wanted something new and exciting. So that's sort of how I pulled her. Um, But I, of course, am not an investigative journalism major, which is what she was hoping to break into and starts getting into the world of investigative journalism. So we are different on that point. Were there other inspirations along the way, maybe some other um, authors you like? Were you listening to any of those like popular, you know, crime um, podcasts and that type of thing? Podcasts are a huge thing for us. We actually listen to a lot of crime podcasts as we are on the road. Um, Scott likes them too, but I am the one that like, that is what I choose to listen to all of the time, uh, which was really helpful when writing because I did my own research Um, just through, you know, Google and maybe asking some people I know that are in the field of working in, you know, detectives and police officers, because that's not an actual job I have. I don't know all of the details behind what goes into investigating murders, Um, but listening to podcasts and watching shows on TV, reading books as well, I learned a lot to be able to help me write along the way, because that was some knowledge that I sort of had but needed to critique it a little bit more and listening to podcasts helped me a whole lot to learn actually more behind the scenes of what goes on during those investigations. So you're kind of, you're in a new environment that's constantly changing. You've got encouragement from Scott, but a lot of people might start and still quit again or still not quite dive all the way in. Like what kind of helped you finish or what made you, you know, keep like chugging away until you got the first novel done? That's a good question because I, I did hit certain points that I was like, oh my gosh, can I do this? Or, you know, I sort of got down on myself. And I think because I, I felt the outside pressure, even though, you know, nobody had known I was writing a book yet. I didn't tell my family, my friends, nobody except for Scott knew until we officially hit that publish button and sent it out into the world. I didn't mention it to anyone because I felt like there was this part of me that was like, people aren't going to like it. They're not going to like what I'm going to write. 
So there were some days where I would sit there in front of the computer and think, I can't do this. I'm not an author. I'm not a writer. Like this is, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this and be successful. And then I looked at, I would scroll through Amazon and see all of the other independent authors out there and think about all the times that people have commented on like blog posts or the cards that I would just write for my family members. Everyone would tell me you're a good writer. And so I would think, okay, you know what? I am a good writer and I can do this. And I've always wanted to write a book and I'm not going to know if it's going to be successful or not until I finish it. So I would sometimes have to go through little pep talks with myself and tell myself, no, you are a good writer. Even if people don't like it, it's something you can say that you've always wanted to do and you finally completed it. And it, it was worth it. I mean, once I was finished with it, it was relieving and I've never felt more proud of myself for finishing an entire novel, something that I, I thought was out of reach. What were some of the logistics for you? Were you just writing like on a laptop and, a, and did, you, did you use storyboards? Did you write by hand? Was there anything like unique or a method you found that worked for you? So when I first started coming up with the idea for the book, I had one of those giant sticky note boards, um, like where it's the giant piece of paper that usually I think you see in offices if they're having a meeting and they have that big poster board up that you can write on. I made that a storyboard and then I used little sticky notes and put character names or main plots that I thought was going to be part of the book. And I just started sticking it on the board so I would sort of have an outline. So that's what helped me start actually get the plot of the story. And then I sat down on my computer and I wrote everything actually in a Google document. So that's how I wrote the entire novel was on Google Drive. So I did everything on there. And luckily, Google Drive allows you to work online and it's something that will save edits offline too. So if there were times where we were in a place where there was no cell service or internet service, I was still able to work on the book and know that it would be saved, which was a big relief because that would be catastrophic if I lost chapters when we were working offline. Um, and then occasionally I would actually carry around a little notebook with me as well. So if there were certain things I saw or maybe we were traveling somewhere that day and saw something that I thought would be good in the book, I would just jot it down in my notebook so I could go back to it later and see if it would tie into the story well somewhere. And so all those, those parts kind of came together to help me work on it overall. Um, I'm working on my second one now and the process is a little bit different. So I think it just <laughs> maybe changes. I don't know, maybe because I'm a new author as well and still kind of learning the craft of how I want to do it. And is this a sequel or is this a different story? A little bit of both. And I say that because the characters, for the most part, are going to be the same. Haley is going to be the main character again. And you might see some of the characters from the first book in this next book. But I also want to make it so that way if people don't read the first book, they're not completely lost. So they could just pick up the second book and read it and still enjoy the story and not be confused because they don't know who anybody is or what has happened in the previous book. But if you read the first one and then you read this one, they do tie in nicely together. So it could be somewhat of a sequel, but I just didn't want to cut out any readers because if they felt they didn't read the first one, that they wouldn't be able to read the second one if that's one that popped up first for them. For those um, interested in self-publishing, what has been your experience like with Amazon? Is it, is it pretty simple? Maybe some any tips there? Yeah, so 
I'm so thankful that Amazon actually makes this an option for independent authors to do because I know writing a book and being able to get published did not used to be this easy. You would have to go through publishers and have agents and, and that is something that people still do now, but you weren't able to just go online on a place like Amazon and say, okay, I want to publish my book. And then they take care of it for you. So that has been really great for us, especially being on the road. This has been a huge plus for us because we don't have to order a hundred books and then hold on to those hundred books until people buy them. Amazon makes it so people will order a book and they print that book for them right then and there and then send it to them. So we don't have to worry about a warehouse or having all these books on hand all the time, which is really nice for us living in a small space, but we're still able to track who is buying those books and how many are getting bought each day. And Amazon also gives you the option of doing the Kindle version. So it's really nice for them to be able to see and have the options of paperback or Kindle on Amazon. And we did put quite a bit of work into actually setting up how we wanted the pages to look and putting the book together. So that did take some time that we actually had to sit down and we chose our cover and had cover art design and made each page look perfect as we could. And even after our first, you know, couple books went out, we only told, you know, a few family and friends like, hey, it's live. Will you go get it and sort of be like another editor for us? Because when you see something so many times, it's, you, you miss something. So Amazon makes it super easy that if there's a word or something we did need to go back and change, they allow you to do that as many times as you want and need to do it. So that's a big advantage as well to using Amazon, um, that you're able to go back at any time you want to change and edit anything on your book. What else are you guys doing? I know you're kind of developing your marketing plans now, but are people finding you on Instagram or what other things like that are you guys currently doing? So we do have our Instagram. Um, we also have a blog page as well. For my author page, I have created a Facebook page just for author because our Instagram and our blog has a lot about not only the book for marketing, but also just our travels in general. So that's why we decided to create a Facebook page that was strictly more along the lines of just author and the writing side of things and we have do we have done a lot of ads as well just through google and facebook and instagram and we're still just trying to break into that getting things on other blogs too we have a couple things coming up as well in a couple travel magazines that we're going to be featured in that will hopefully get the word out on the book and our travels too so we, we had to hunker down after this book and really dive into the marketing world and learn a lot about how to get yourself seen out in a world that you know nothing about. Definitely complicated. Well, congrats on the book. I want to kind of shift over and maybe talk a little bit more about the lifestyle, especially during the virus. Um, what year did you guys start doing this and how has things kind of changed um, with quarantines and things like that? So we started full time on the road at the end of July of 2019. So before the virus was, you know, in anybody's mind at all, we jumped on the road and the virus did affect things for us, not as much as it would for other people who were going into the offices or into their jobs, needing to be in contact with people all the time. Luckily for us, we were already living out 
you know, in the forests and the deserts and campgrounds where if you don't need to be face to face with people, you don't have to be. So we, we felt very lucky in that sense that we were in a position that we could keep ourselves safe um, and not go out all the time and, and have to worry about people. But we did have to still go to the grocery store. I mean, like everyone else, we do need to eat and we need to go to these populated areas. And we got very lucky that when the lockdowns happened, we were in a spot in New Mexico that was a boondocking site, which is a free dry camping site. So we didn't have to pay a campground and all these fees because a lot of campgrounds actually did in the beginning of the pandemic, at least they closed their doors. Um, RV parks and campgrounds, national parks, they started closing. And for people like us who are full time on the road, it was like, well, where are we supposed to go? We, we don't have a home we can just go back to. So that was something that I think hit a lot of our viewers and full-time travelers a little bit harder that a lot of people didn't think about. I think everyone thought we were going to be totally fine because we live in an RV. But once they start closing down all that, you know, places for us to get water or dump our tanks, um, sometimes you need to plug in just to charge all of your products and everything like that, that it was like, okay, we need to do more research because where are we going to stay? And, you know, once all these doors close, we can't just sleep anywhere. You can't just stay in parking lots all the time. So that was probably the hardest um, part for us. But like I mentioned, we got lucky and we were in New Mexico in a place where we had free camping and a place that they weren't going to kick us out anytime soon. So we actually hunkered down for about, I think it was roughly eight or nine weeks there, which was perfect because that's when all of the lockdowns hit and you couldn't really go anywhere, which was really weird going to the store and it seemed like nobody was on the roads and we got lucky and the the pandemic did affect us, but not as much as I think it may have affected other people who couldn't go into work anymore or are at home trying to figure out virtual learning for their kids and all that type of thing. So this is when the RV life, we're really thankful that this was something we chose to do. Outside of the quarantine and those type of things, when you're actively traveling, have any of your like habits or mindset changed? Like when you started, did you plan more? Are you more kind of carefree about things? Anything like uh, a shift of mind about the way in which you travel now? I think when we jumped into this life, we had this mindset of, okay, we're going to plan where we're going to stay and what we're going to do and the cities we're going to be in. And I think we had high hopes that we were going to have some great schedule going on and, you know, we're going to wake up early every day and go hiking and all these things. And now after being on the road for a year and a half, almost two years, we totally just wing it most of the time. I mean, we, it, there's so many things in this life that you think you're prepared for that are just so unpredictable. Things are breaking on the RV all the time, or maybe there's a place you thought you were going to go camping, but then the road is closed. So that could completely change your entire day and your plans. Um, sometimes we sleep in and sometimes we're up super late and don't get up the next day till 10 a.m., which would never have been a thing before, especially working full time. That was not an option. Um, so we, we definitely jumped into this life with a different mindset. I wouldn't say it was better or worse than what we have going on now, but we certainly have learned to go with the flow a lot better now. And if something goes wrong, 
it's not the end of the world. You just got to sort of figure out a different way to approach it and figure out a different solution. Do you have maybe a, a greater like bucket list you're working on at the same time as well? Yeah, there are certain places that we definitely want to hit still. Um, pretty soon, we're going to head to Utah, which for me, that is one of the places I have always wanted to go to. And I'm surprised I've never been there yet because I'm from Colorado and then moved to Arizona and I've traveled to California all the time. So I feel like I've always been so close to it, but our travels so far have just taken us right around Utah. So that's one of the spots we really want to hit. Also, we would love to make it back to Canada. Um, that was a location that we made it to during the beginning of our travels before quarantine happened and the border closure occurred. And once the borders closed, we did want to make our way back up there, but they never reopened. So we ended up heading back south again. So another, well, a couple bucket list places would be back up in Canada, like Quebec and Montreal and, and see all of those places. But we have knocked a lot off our list. We've done a lot more traveling than I think we expected to in the time period that we've been on the road. But if I've learned anything, there are so many incredible places across the U.S. that I didn't even know existed until we started traveling in an RV across it. So I think our bucket list just actually starts getting bigger and bigger the more we learn about what's in each state. I took a somewhat similar trip. It's been years ago now, but about eight weeks on the road. <laughs> and we kind of realized it was a college roommate. We also had a dog with us. We realize that a lot of times hiking, the main trail is really popular and almost not as good as like a trail right next to it. Is there anything like that, any hidden gems you've kind of found or maybe rules of the road that you didn't expect to see? There, that's one of the nice things too about RVing. Trails are so popular. The ones that, you know, everybody goes to the national parks because there are certain trails that they want to go see. And so the nice thing is we have learned not to go to these trails on the weekends because that's when people are either traveling to that place or people that live around there that may work near the area have the weekends to go do those trips. So we plan our traveling and hiking and all that type of stuff during the week. So that way there's less people on the trails. Also, for the most part, we have learned you either have to go super early in the morning or later in the afternoon because that 8 a.m. to maybe 2 p.m. time frame is when a lot of other people are on the trails. We also try to do research before we go somewhere to see which trails are the popular ones, which ones are not. Also, we'll just look for our own trails, um, not in national parks where they, you know, want to keep the place wild and they don't want you making your own trails. But some of the national forests, you are allowed to just wander and see different trails. So Scott and I like to take our map out so we, so we don't get lost, but we will just find our trails ourselves and kind of see where they lead and go exploring. And that's something I think we really enjoy, just taking the car out because we have a tow car with us and just finding random forest roads to go explore, which I think when you're on a tight schedule traveling, you can't really do that. But for us, we're able to just be like, okay, it's a Tuesday and we want to go exploring. Let's take the car and go see what there is out there. So it's definitely been an advantage to not have to do all of this exploring on the weekends when everybody else is out there doing the same thing. And I think you have um, a couple of pets with you too. What are the, uh, maybe some extra ideas about traveling with pets? Do you leave them in the car or do they come with you? How does that kind of work logistically? 
Yes. So when we started this trip, we had a cat with us already. So the the cat, like many cats, does not like change. So that was a big thing for us that when we moved the cat into the RV, he was definitely not a fan of it. He was like, what is this thing you put me in that shakes all the time and the scenery is moving? And it, it definitely took some time for him to get used to it. And we would make sure we weren't driving too far because he would get really stressed out when it was moving. So in the beginning, we would take that into consideration and not drive as far or make sure that he was comfortable. Eventually, after probably about a month on the road, he got used to it and now he loves it and he loves being in the RV. Um, he is not an outdoor cat, so we don't let him run around outside. He stays inside the RV all the time. So something we have to consider is what's the temperature where we are, because it's, it's not like a house where you can just turn the air conditioning on unless we're hooked up to power. So if we're out boondocking somewhere, don't have power, we have to make sure that it at least stays a temperature in the RV that the cat would be comfortable and safe, especially if we're leaving the RV. So if it is a day where maybe it's too hot, we say, okay, we're going to stay here and use the generator and have the AC on. So that definitely affected some of our plans. And then as if we didn't think our life was hectic enough, we did get a puppy last year. So we got a puppy and had to train her while on the road which was actually fairly easy because we're in such a small space. It was easy to wake up at two in the morning to let her out and then do it again an hour and a half later. And she loves this life. I mean, she's a golden retriever and loves everything about being outside and meeting new people. Uh, but that's something too. Once we got a dog, she needs exercise, but a lot of national parks have trails where you cannot take pets. So we do have to do our research ahead of time to find out what trails we can take her on, how long the trails are, and if she's going to be able to, um, like, withstand the temperature and the distance. And we do leave her behind in the RV sometimes. But another thing, just like with the cat, we have to make sure the temperature is okay and that we're not gone too long. So I could see, you know, taking this trip, you might have some friends or family that are, are when you first went away saying you're crazy, things like that. Are there any common, like ridiculous questions you get about this type of lifestyle? Yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. When we first hit the road, when we told our family and friends, they all were like, wait, you're you're doing what? And you're sure about this and you're selling everything. And I think it was just so hard for them to fathom that we decided to pick up our lives and and hit the road full time and i still to this day i think it mainly comes from probably our family members more than our friends but they ask well don't you need a job like aren't you going to have to go back to normal life again so that's one of the most common questions i think family asks is well how are you making money and how can you sustain your life on the road when you're not working full-time jobs and Another common question that we get asked all the time, probably more so after we hit the road, is how we manage to live in a small space together full time. Because we, you know, went from a three bedroom house and working jobs separately during the day to here we are living in a 32 foot RV around each other 24 seven. Well, it's definitely, you know, the, the lifestyle and, and your new career as an author. Um, I mean, these are these are changes, but we are definitely facing a new normal. We all are with the virus and everything else. Work work mm -hmm. has changed. Um, 
What advice might you have for our listeners who are just thinking about maybe making a change? It could be a big change like van life. Or it could be uh, pursuing a writing career, something like that. Any just general advice for like facing those fears? I would say something that kind of helps you get over those fears. And depending on what drastic of a change you are trying to make, if you're jumping into the van life, you should probably do some research first for sure. Um, but looking at other people that are already doing it was a big thing for me that was encouraging because when you look at these other stories of people that look like they maybe were having a hard time in their life or they were ready to start something new, you just got to do it. You just have to have that one day where you try it and you have to know maybe it's not going to work out, but maybe it's going to be the best thing that I ever decide to do. And you're never going to know until you actually sit down and do it. Um, and sometimes that can be really hard for people to be able to actually take that first step, which is where it is nice having social media and all these other ways that you can get encouragement from and seeing maybe there's someone else that has a story just like you and you just need to read that. And then you realize, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. And so sometimes it can be really hard, but just taking the first step and that first jump saying, I'm going to give it a shot, whether it works or not because or else you're just going to sit there wondering what if all the time. And I'm so thankful that this is something we actually said, you know what? No, we're going to do it. Maybe we're going to hate it and want to come home in a month, but we're not going to know until we try. Hey, thanks again for listening. If it is your first time, make sure and hit that subscribe button. Also want to thank again our special sponsor, authorbuilder.com, where authors can find all the needs for their website, email, and more. That's authorbuilder.com. And this is also a very special episode because it's actually part of my research for a new article for Writer Field Notes. So I'm actually talking to about half a dozen full-time van lifers. If you want to read that article, it comes out next week. But go ahead and sign up for the newsletter at writerfieldnotes.com to stay updated on the blog, the YouTube, the podcast, and everything else, including the book. Thanks again.